All right, this is Draven. And I'm Ryan. And we are Bullet to the Heart. This is the Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. To the podcast, concerts that made us, interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. On this episode, I'm joined by Draven and Brian from Bullet to the Heart. They recently released their single Black Widow and we chat all about it and much, much more. You're going to love this episode. But before we get chatting with the guys, we're going to take a listen to Black Widow. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show.
and Brian, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Hey, how you doing, man? Glad to be here. I'm good, I'm good. I'm delighted to be speaking with you guys now today. We kicked off the episode with your latest release, Black Widow. Would you like to tell us about it? Hell yeah. Yeah, so um, it's the first of some upcoming songs that we're coming out with. Uh, it's a lot more aggressive than stuff that we've made in the past. And uh, yeah, it kind of tells a story of taking vengeance on people who are kind of creeping on women, you know. So it's kind of like an empowering song and also a brutal song. Uh, but uh, yeah, heavy, heavy guitar licks on that one. Yeah, it's a uh, first time we've busted out. And I, I know that it's kind of a cliche, but it's the first time we bust out a seven string guitar. Uh, with music that we played not that you need one to make it heavy or a seven strings heavy you know rob scallon made one of the most beautiful songs in an eight string guitar about distortion but it, was, it was fun it yeah was fun yeah to try it out try something try something different you know yeah exactly exactly something i noticed now is that it's like a breath of fresh air you know it starts off and you're kind of expecting one thing and then as it moves on you're like Oh man, this is actually brilliant. It's, you know, it's not like anything you've heard before. It's real sort of, like I said, a, br- a breath of fresh air. Nice. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, we yeah, definitely... it, it felt, uh, sorry, I'm going to take over. For <laughs> Go for it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it felt like that uh, writing. We, we just finished uh, Transcendence, which is our last album. And we were like stuck in the studio all of COVID, just writing those songs. And to come out of that and to start writing seven string heavy aggressive it was like oh cool like we're still being creative right now so it was a good way to like kind of keep going but not writing the same thing well so definitely myself at least i definitely try to not put myself in a box or like think of something to make before i go i like oh i want to make a song that's like this kind of metal in particular this genre we really try to stay unique and just kind of not confine ourselves to like a particular sound or a genre you know yeah yeah well you're doing a great job of that and how has the reception been from fans uh pretty good so far a lot a lot of people uh on the opening day and then the the whole weekend's been pretty good a lot of the comments are positive uh they like the artistic nature of the video um and people just like uh you know a woman killing a bunch of creepy men apparently (laughs) (laughs) i never would have guessed (laughs) oh man and you know you guys, it seems kind of, well, obviously now killing a lot of men isn't autobiographical, but you seem like you want to help people through your music, you know, help them through issues that they might be facing. Yeah, a lot of that's actually from Audrey specifically. Um, she's had a lot of uh, family members go through a lot of uh, like mental illness and like a lot of personal like drama and stuff that affects their lives. So when we write in the studio, we're kind of writing based on how we feel or what we want to project. And when she comes in, she kind of takes this like spin on things. And a lot of it is geared towards like, I'm writing with a purpose. I'm not just writing to be an egotistical rock star. Yeah. Yeah. If only more bands were like that, huh? Yeah. And you know, something as well, I have to ask, what's it like having you know, a female lead singer. Normally, you don't see it too often. You know, it's great now, but you don't see too often. Normally, it's like four guys. But I think uh, back to the whole breath of fresh air thing, it's cool that you do have a a female lead singer. What's it it like? I mean, I can't really, I don't really feel like it's that different for me, at least. Like, I just, you know, for me, my perspective of this whole band is that these are three of my best friends and I just enjoy playing music with them, you know? 
definitely I, I feel like a lot of people try to put us into the box like oh you're female fronted i'm like well you know yeah yeah female, female no. fronted is not a genre you know like <laughs> you know but uh yeah i mean i yeah i mean i agree like it, it's it's kind of normal um i mean i've been in a female fronted band for quite a while um because her and i were in a different project like way before this couple projects ago so i kind of like the uniqueness um when i started getting into playing music like playing out in bars and shows and stuff nobody else was really doing it unless you were paramore you know what i mean because evanescence wasn't around touring anymore a lot of the big uh female bands weren't really like active you had like in this moment paramore and that was like female bands you know what i mean um so to me it was kind of like a uniqueness approach like i want to do something different like every guy can scream every guy can do this like i want to do something different you know put some power into it some uh passion um but yeah i mean it it seems i mean it's kind of just normal for us you know just kind of kind of vibing yeah i get that i get that and what was the process then from coming up with black widow to recording it to releasing it what was the process like so um we got a huge opportunity in what year was it was it 21 21 last year so yeah i don't even know what timeline rents um (laughs) we got a huge opportunity in october of 21 so this is before our album came out because our album was set to release for november so those songs are already done queued up to be released we got a huge opportunity to play uh i'm sorry to uh record with justin from miss may i so that kind of geared us to like want to like prove ourselves, want to push ourselves in a direction because we're going to be in front of this guy who's been all over the place, uh, genre wise, production wise, show wise. So we were like, let's push ourselves to like match that quality. Yeah, he also was a, a good influence on us because like basically we, you know, he's kind of poking with the cattle prodder. And yeah. like, Come on, write songs. You can do it. <laughs> but um. <laughs> You know, we, we, we wrote like, I want to say like eight or I think it was eight, like yeah. eight songs. Yeah, we, and, we settled on five. Yeah. So then we took the best five that, you know, that we all liked, including Justin. And then, uh, you know, we went out to Ohio to Reface Studios and then, you know, he kind of helped. Well, you know, he tracked us, he recorded us, he did all the production on everything. Uh, he changed some stuff, gave some like ideas for stuff. So it was a really good collaborative effort. He's a wonderful person to work with. Very kind, very knowledgeable, you know, learned a lot while we were there. Yeah, um, a lot of tracking techniques that yeah. we're, we're doing in our studio now. So it was awesome. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, you often hear these stories of bands getting paired with like this legendary producer. And it seems like it would be incredibly intimidating. You know, I was going to ask, what was it actually like, you know, going there and working with him as a person? I mean... For me, I know this sounds, I, I'm, I'll just admit this right now, if I haven't before, I'm very ignorant when it comes to like a lot of music and a lot of bands. Like I honestly hadn't listened to Miss May I before I met him. So I didn't really have that like, you know, like, oh, I'm standing next to this Titan, you know, I'm like, oh, this yeah. is just a dude for me, at least personally. Um, but, uh, you know, just as a person, you know, he's really kind, very knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, he has his particular way of doing things. And I definitely learned a lot by watching his process and how he does stuff um yeah yeah. i think it was a little nerve-wracking at first just because like like i was a huge fan of miss may i he like like that band got me into like metalcore when i was younger like i started playing i started covering their music and stuff like that so it was a little nerve-wracking because you're like oh i'm going up against this dude who like is gonna want to push me who's gonna want to like metaphorically like slap me around and be like play better you know but i mean once you get past that like like i said he's a sweetheart he's like a goofy 
dude. What, once you met him, I was like, oh, this is chill. Like now we're having fun. And like, it was like hanging out with them. I mean, every day uh, we went out and got food with them. We were hanging around Ohio, which is a state we've never been to before. So it was kind of like a fun way to just like be creative, but also like get down and work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I suppose it just goes to show, you know, no matter how big or how legendary you are, you're still a person and you still like the same things as everyone else, you know? It's just great. It's just cool to meet people who like don't let their fame or their fortune yeah. like get them to be like egotistical. Yeah, because we we've had it the other way around. We're not gonna mention any names, but we've had it the other way around where someone's like, Do you know who I am? You know who I am? And we're like, No, I don't. People <laughs> although I will say people that aren't as high up on the ladder is yeah, you know, yeah. Like they're not they don't have that status. It, it's weird, like people are great, like that are like in that middle ground tend to have like the most ego I've seen personally. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's always those guys who's like, I think maybe subconsciously they're trying to prove themselves or something or to feel like they should be more recognized but it's always the guys then at the top that are absolute sweethearts you know be interesting to see at what stage that kind of you lose that kind of assholey and become nice yeah i wonder uh i mean I, I won't say that like everyone at the top is the nice but at least you know at least the ones that we've come in contact with have been good so far so you know at this stage, I usually like to dive into my guest's history to get a sense of how you got to where you are today. So, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the longest story. Okay, you're going to make me tell that story again? <laughs> I mean, you always do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I started when I was seven years old. I was playing the trumpet. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll just give you the, the synopsis. Um, okay. I've been doing music since I was a small child. I've played a plethora of instruments throughout, you know, elementary school all the way through high school uh, as far as classical instruments go like trumpet violin cello um and uh when i was 14 i picked up a guitar um my dad we weren't we didn't have a lot, a lot of money at the time so i'd use all my birthday money to pay for half of a guitar my dad paid the other half and that's kind of how i started on guitar learning three is grace and stuff and then i played that for a while and then eventually i met these guys and then uh you know started playing music together 2016 yeah i believe 2016 yeah 2016 he got involved and it was just uh me him and uh audrey and then we got tom and we made the band official with the name in 2017 and tom and i went to school together although yeah 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 so my uh mine's a little more complicated but uh less interesting i guess i i didn't start playing drums till i was like 10 or 11 all right that was one of those like late bloomers in my opinion because like you hear all these people like oh i was playing the pots and pans when i was five and i'm like yeah i didn't start getting interested till 10 you know and then uh, i got a drum kit through my grandfather um who wasn't really a part of our life uh for a lot of my life and then he was like hey like your kid played drums i i bought him a drum kit i want him to practice every day so i started learning and at 14 i played my first show it was uh, my school high school battle of the bands so nobody knew I could play drums and I played with this band that was made up of mostly non people that went to the school, um, played that, you know, went well, started playing local bars and small venues, started opening up for bands and then, uh, got into another band, kind of jumped a couple bands here and there, a couple different genres, kind of testing out the waters. And then 2016, uh, uh, Audrey and I were in a band and, uh, we lost two of our members on the same day and we happen to have one more show. So we convinced them to play one more show. And at that show, we announced that we were looking for a bass player and a guitar player. And 
him and Tom were uh, at that show and they, they were like, we're going to play, we're going to do it. Yeah. I was uh, actually opening up for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I made my own backing tracks and I was playing a show by myself because uh, I had a band when I was like a sophomore in high school, but then uh, to say the least didn't end well. So then I was on my own looking for people and then, yeah, they came up to me after my set. They're like, hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> want to be in our band? <laughs> I, was like, I don't know if you guys are good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we're going on next, man. I was like, all right, I'll see what you guys got. And I was like, eh, okay, okay. <laughs> and then like a week later, or like two weeks later, you're like, oh, we have a sh- we have the opportunity to open for Gen- Gemini Syndrome. Yeah, you got to yeah. learn all of our songs in like a week. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I did do that. <laughs> Oh geez, I love that you know you said uh, they were going on on after you. So it wasn't a typical kind of you had to audition for them. It was more like they were auditioning for you. Kind of, it was kind of like both ways. Like they, I, I didn't know I was auditioning for them when I was playing my set. But uh, yeah, yeah, he was a good guitar player. He was just he was alone. You know, like you said, he played guitar with a bunch of backtracks. And I was like, dude, that guy could tread, but like, why doesn't he have a band? You know, like, <laughs> but it kind of worked out, man. Cause like, we kind of just like connected and, you know, he's, he's a cool dude. And we instantly connected oh. when writing music. And one of the things that, you know, I did force that on you and Tom was, Hey, you got to learn these eight songs by next week. Yeah. And you guys pulled through. So, oh, man. And work out. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be like one of the worst things. One of the most common, but one of the worst things you can do to a musician is like you have a week to learn all these songs. You better do it. I mean, I will say I just have had a lot of experience doing that kind of stuff because uh, I did 10 years of trumpet from the time I was seven to all 17. But my dad also had me getting private lessons when I was really young. So like by the time I got into high school, like I kind of got bored of it, you know, because it became less of my thing and more of my dad's thing. Like, hey, you need to you know, pr- play your trumpet before you can play Xbox. I was like, ah, yeah, damn. <laughs> got me again. <laughs> so I would just, I would just kind of like sight read the music at, in high school, you know? So I, I, I kind of got good at learning things quickly, you know, especially with like music wise. So like, uh, that, that made it a lot easier for me to be able to like, Oh, I'm just going to learn these songs really quick, you know? And I know how to practice. And thankfully for my dad, even though I hated those, well, I didn't hate, but, um, you just liked it. Even though, like, he he pushed me a lot harder than I wanted to go, but I'm definitely still glad for that because, you know, I I learned how to practice correctly and I learned a lot of stuff that's transferable to whatever type of musical instrument I want to learn how to play, you know? Yeah, I feel like on a selfish level, too, I'm going to be selfish for a minute. Like, I think think that kind of proves, like, dedication. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that I could be like, hey, learn this music that you weren't a part of and I need it next week and you guys were like... I want to do that so bad. I feel like that kind of gave me like a, like a, Oh, these guys are legit. Cause like Audrey and I have been through tons of bands where these people were not motivated through anything. You know, it was like, Oh, we have to write a song. And they're like, Oh no, we're good. And I'm like, well, then we got to make a cover. Cause we got, got to play 40 minutes, you know, like just weird stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. And I have to ask, what does your father think of your music choices now? My father. Hmm. Oh, he loves it. Uh, really? Yeah, he um, he's just glad that I'm doing like my dad uh, was he did music to like make a living for a long time, like in like the 70s, I want to say. He was like folk. Like, yeah, he like, like folk, folk country music, a little bit of like, you know, hard but rock funk, kind of what was going on back then. But then uh, 
he, he did what he told me is he eventually went back to school and got a real job uh, <laughs> so he could, uh, you know, get a family and all that stuff. And uh, I don't know, I, I'd say, I mean, not to put words in his mouth, but I'd say he's proud of what I'm doing. You know, I have a I have a decent day job. We, it, we're kind of we're very similar, my father and I. We both work jobs in IT and we both do our passion on the side. My dad was doing music for a while and he started doing musicals. He's actually, uh, I'm going to promote my dad's yeah, stuff. He's, uh, <laughs> he's uh, actually coming out. He's directing. He wrote a musical called November 22nd. And he's uh, going to be coming out with that later this year, I believe. So he's gone from musician to playwright to, you know, writing and directing and starring in his own musical. So uh, I think he he's been to he's been to a few of my shows. He likes our music, and uh, I'd say he's proud of what I'm doing. Yeah, geez, he sounds like quite the man. Yeah, he's just, he's he's my father. <laughs> I'm his son. <laughs> he's a sweet dude, though. He's a sweet dude. We used to have our studio at his house back when uh, he lived with his dad, and uh, it was just always uh, oh, are you guys working on music today? And I'm like, yep, yes, yes, Mr. Benishak, go upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cool dude, though. He's 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 dope. Yeah, I used uh, I used a lot of his mics before. I'd borrow his. Yeah, mics. that's right. We brought. He's a lot of equipment, so we've had to borrow his equipment before to help us out <laughs> with stuff. So his PA system, his mics. Yeah, it's handy. It's handy, and you know, at what point in your younger days, what happened that made you guys think, right? I want to pursue music seriously. I'd say. Uh, just because music helped me get through a lot and music for a large part of my life has been the most important thing to me because for a long time, music is all that I had really. Um, you know, there's a couple of albums I can say that got me through a lot. Uh, I think I've been pronouncing it wrong most of my life. Uh, Lincoln Park's Meteora, Matora, something like that. Uh, that and Three Days of Grace is one X. Like music just helped me get through so much and, you know, you know, and growing up, I didn't have like throughout school, uh, didn't have the most friends. Uh, so I spent a lot of my time either practicing trumpet or listening to music or learning how to play guitar. Um, and it makes me feel things. And if I can, can express the way that I feel and convey those emotions to other people, and if other people feel the same way that I do, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to help people in the way that others have helped me musically. You know, that's and any chance that I get to do that whenever I feel the passion to write a song or convey how I feel, you know, uh, that's probably the most meaningful thing that I have. And I'd like to share that with people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely understand that. Anyway, I think a lot of people, you know, especially musicians kind of have that feeling or a lot of people kind of in their teenage years kind of went through that, you know, yeah, yeah. something similar anyway. I mean, I feel like it's, it's what drives a lot of musicians. I mean, of course, you're going to get some that just want to do it because they think it's cool, mm. you know, which that's fine. But there's a lot that are like, I mean, they've been battered and broken and destroyed in their lives. And like, that's the only thing that makes you feel, you know, and it's like, I feel like we all kind of went through something in our life where we're like, we want to do music to feel that and reciprocate that to other people. And then like, I remember like one of the things that, um, like I gravitated towards was I saw Avenged Sevenfold live when I was like 11 or 12. And I was like, I, I was obsessed with guitar at the time. I wanted to play guitar so bad. And when I saw the Rev play, I was like, that's, that's the coolest guy in the room right there. 
Like that's the coolest dude. It's the guy sitting back wailing on the drums. And I was like, that's, that's what I want to do now. And again, I was just getting started. So like, I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, that's the dude that the backbeat, the backbeat, the heartbeat of the band. That's what I want to do. And I just kind of like use that as a driving force to like get better and practice and try new things and do that. Cause like, I really, I agree with Brian. I really want to like, what music's done for me is I'll, it's, it's so much. I can't even put it into words. And it's like, I would love to be that light for somebody else. Kind of just like the, the gift that keeps giving, keep it going. You know, there's so much pain and evil in this world. And I feel like music's the good part. And everybody speaks that language in music. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the universal language. I really like that though. You know, it's uh, me personally, and I know a lot of the listeners will, that'll definitely re- resonate with them. But uh, you kind of, I, I had a question lined up next and you kind of jumped ahead to it. I was thinking, has he got the questions in front of him? But uh, I normally <laughs> like ask, to ramble a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I normally ask, uh, since the podcast is called Concerts That Made Us, what concerts, as a concert goer, what concerts have made you? Uh, for myself, I want to say probably we were at the same concert actually systems System yeah Down. we didn't know each other at the time but we happened to be there at the oh, same man. concert. we found that out years later yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one that was like the first like big concert i went to uh, apart from like my dad playing shows and like you know coffee shops and bars and stuff like that um and uh this is gonna sound weird but a, a concert i went to recently that i thought was uh really cool was all retreat show at the the rave uh it's kind of like a goofy internet person that makes music uh but you know aside from him playing the character that he plays there's a few times where he like got real and you know said some real stuff and you know that was a good concert so i'd say those two are like the ones that come up to my memory at least currently yeah i'd say definitely the uh the avenged like i said like that made me look at drummers differently because I, I wanted to play guitar so bad and seeing uh avenged i was like yeah like that's dope so that kind of changed my mentality to like pursue that um, but also my first concert was uh, Corn and uh, Power Man 5000 and Filter. That kind of opened my eyes up of how powerful music is. Because they, they played uh, Soldier Field in Chicago, which uh, if you're not familiar, it's like a huge like football stadium. And it was it was so packed. And every single person is singing. Every single person had their arms up. And I was like, wow, like this dude's this big on stage. And everybody's like interacting and having fun and i was like holy crap you know like that's that's the coolest job in the world oh man i'm jealous of some of them especially the system one they're they've been on my list for years ever since i was a teenager and i think in like 15 or 20 years they've only come to ireland once and i couldn't go unfortunately so uh hopefully i'll get to see him at some stage in the future but you made me think of something there talking about the internet guy is there a gig that you guys have been to that your fans would be surprised you were at? Probably that one. And I've been, I actually go to, I got a lot of friends that are into like EDM music. So I go, I occasionally go to the, like the dubstep, like rhythm show. Ah, right, right. Usually more dubstep than rhythm, but you know. Rhythm, Mine's rhythm. kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I went to a uh, Machine Gun Kelly concert. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He gets and, uh, a lot of hate from a lot of people in our industry. Mm, but, I mean, it was it was fun. Like, he puts on a hell of a show. 
Yeah, I'd imagine he does. I imagine he does. Did uh, was did you go willing? Was it something you actually wanted to go to, or were you dragged along yeah, by a friend? Yeah, I wanted to go. I wanted to see what the fuss was about. You know, I, I was into a couple songs at the time, and I was like, let's just do it. You know, my my sister was a huge fan; like, she's like obsessed. So I was like, I'll go for you because uh, he wasn't coming to Chicago, which we're in Illinois. Uh, he was in the next state over, so it's about a four-hour drive. And I didn't want her to go alone because she's, you know, 18 years old at the time. So I was like, let's, let's just go. Like, I'll take you. I'll, I'll go see it. I don't care. And it, it was a blast. Openers were fantastic. It was like that pop punky, but kind of like lo-fi rap vibe. It was like interchanging in the genre. So it's kind of cool. I always find it's definitely um, it's cool to go see people, you know, outside your genre or even people you wouldn't even be that into really, you know, because I think it helps with your musicianmanship really you know like you were saying earlier it's good to not be in a box you know look at other genres and stuff but uh let's get into your gigs i'm sure people are dying to hear about them now can you remember your very first gig as the band you are now yes uh it was the dear deadly album show at sub t yeah yeah that was the yeah. first time that tom was there yes yeah, yeah. as bullet uh yeah, yeah. yeah so subterranean it's uh i don't know how to really describe it um the chicago so it's uh it's chicago is a big city mm. and instead of it being like a theater that's like interconnected it's kind of like a hole in the wall but when you go inside it's like a big like kind of like lounge kind of uh kind of show so it, it's kind of like a little smaller than a theater but bigger than a bar, if that makes any sense. So, but it's literally a hole in the wall. Like you'll miss it. It's got a little bit, little marquee and you walk into the door and you can go upstairs or you can go downstairs. And the downstairs is the smaller stage, upstairs, the bigger stage. We played the basement for uh, a band that we were friends with at the time called Dear Deadly. Uh, They were doing their album release show and they allowed us to open the show. It was our first show in this lineup first time playing live as a as a as a four piece oh man oh man and little little uh fun little fact here it took it was later that year no yeah it was it was later that year we ended up selling out the top floor <laughs> oh man so just gigging playing music we then did our album release on the top floor and sold it out and i'm super proud of that oh man and what that was only like a couple of months later yeah, it was like nine or ten, like on the dot, I think, because uh, we uh, we had our first show and it was February 4th, 2017. And it was like September or October something is when the album came out. And we just did a lot of lot of radio promo, a lot of press. Uh, people were really just digging the music at the time. I mean, there was like it was something fresh on the scene. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I, I get you. Like that really helped. But yeah, that was our first show as a group. It was a lot of fun. Definitely a learning experience. But a lot of fun. I'd say so. I'd say so. And, you know, as a band, what concerts do you think have made you guys? Ooh, um, that's a tough one. I would say definitely probably the tour, the first tour. That that's was, what I was thinking. That, that was a huge learning experience. That was, that was, uh, I was going through the ringer, definitely. So I, I have a more positive one than we'll, <laughs> we'll take into that one. Um, Definitely, uh, we headlined House of Blues. House of Blues in Chicago is a big deal. And uh, that was our second album release. Uh, We got to headline. uh, A couple hundred people were there for us. So that was like a huge, like, win-win goal. We've played House of Blues before. I've played it tons of times in other bands. 
Um, but to headline it was such an honor. You know, I brought up the double bass kit, went on full out, got the banner set up. But that show kind of made us turn to each other and be like, oh, like we could do this. Like we can just keep going. Uh, but definitely the biggest thing that made our band kind of better was going on tour in 2019. We made a lot of mistakes and we saw a lot of stuff that kind of made us regroup and want to do better. You know, so I would say that whole tour, we played out West, which if you don't know out West in the States, it's all like long drives, it's Hills and deserts. And it was a lot of, a lot, a lot of little suffering there, but it it helped us get through a lot as a unit and kind of come back and be like, Hey, if we want to do this, we gotta, we gotta try a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it was very testing. Amazing way to put that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of drama, but we won't, we won't talk about that. (laughs) Now, I don't want you to think I'm digging into that experience. You can use a different experience if you want. But I always ask as a follow-up question, we've heard the good. Now we'll get slightly more negative. What's the worst experience you guys have had as a band and how did you overcome it? I think we could say what, but not say who. Yeah, we'll say what. Yeah, I would say so on that tour, um, I'm just going to say being in a band, doing this for how long we've been doing it playing the tours you've been on a couple different tours you don't always like the band you're on tour with right something you don't sometimes yeah sometimes you get paired up sometimes you get an opportunity and it's great from a business perspective because like we fit the genre or we fit the image but some people are just not good people and they will throw your stuff off stage literally literally throw your stuff off stage so i feel like that was one of the learning curves in, in a negative experience because you know, you're not at home. You're not going home to sleep. You're out on your own in the middle of nowhere. You're playing the show and someone's rushing you off stage. So they can set up their props and they throw one of your bass guitars. Oh, and that's one of the things where it's like, you want to jump at somebody and you got to be like, Hey, we got to keep our cool. We got to try to be professional, but also you got to lay down the law and mention that that's not, that's not how you want to be treated. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, it's probably one of the harder things we've had to go through, like professionally, because like you don't want to burn a bridge, but you also want to like wait, you know, be like, hey, don't don't do that. You but know, also I, mean? I feel like since we've gone through that, I feel like you can't get much worse than that, you know? Yeah, we kind of got like a bad experience right off the bat. So I feel like everything since then's been better. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you might have encountered this, but I've heard stories from other bands that uh, you know, when you're the support actor, you're on tour with someone that they'll try sabotage your set by say you know messing with your amps or hiding some gear or anything have you guys ever encountered anything like that so i've never had gear stuff the only thing i i've ever had and we've had is uh sometimes we purposely won't get a sound check or a light show yeah because the the other band wants it they're like oh we need to sound bigger we need to sound better we need to do you know give them no lights and we'll just have like the one stage light on which kind of sucks because the lights kind of get people excited, but I've had that. I've never had like equipment hiding or yeah, I, I, stuff. I, I've and never, that's unfortunate if that's true. Yeah. I've never had someone go up and just like, I'm just going to just fuck with all the knobs. <laughs> <you know? laughs> the, uh, the funniest one I've ever heard though, was uh, this newish band were playing with a bigger established band. They were very well known. They were touring around Ireland and England at the time. And the bigger band wouldn't let them have a bass drum like refuse to allow them to have a bass drum Ooh, <laughs> yeah. is it a second bass drum or an old, like not a bass drum at all no it was just 
the bass drum, you know, the guy just had cymbals and a snare then on stage. Ah, uh, see, that's kind of that's kind of BS. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'd, I'd walk out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know how they actually managed to get through, but then as well, their music it's not very bass heavy, so they could probably get away with it, but still, it's kind of kind of shitty. Yeah, I feel like as a drummer though, you need at least your kick and your snare. Yeah, above anything else, like kick and snare and one cymbal. You don't, you don't need the toms, you don't need the other cymbals, but kick drums that that goes hand in hand with the bass guitar. Yeah. Maybe if you really like like loosen your floor tom and put it on the floor. Oh yeah. no, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> oh god, and you know. Is there anything you could tell, you know, people looking to get into bands as a career? You know, what, in your opinion, makes a successful or a tight band? What factors go into it? Definitely right off the bat, open open up your mind. Be open-minded. You're not going to always get your way. So you got to bend a little and then give a little. Um, but yeah, I mean, just be prepared. Like, it sucks. But it's also the most rewarding thing in the world. I'd say also whether you think this would be kind of self-explanatory or like you'd think that it'd be a given, but just play well. Um, yeah. Practice on your own time. That's yeah. Cause like I've seen a lot, we've seen a lot of bands who are like, well, like they'll be opening up or like playing a show. And I'm like, yeah, they, they're not playing in time together or stuff like that. Like stuff like that, like that'll make people notice that aren't musicians, you know? I'll be like, oh, that doesn't quite sound right. So yeah, I'd... definitely. Uh, kind of going off of what you said, uh, learn the basics. I feel like some people they jump right into the heavy metal category. It's like learn learn to play chords first, just bare minimum, like play in time, know your tone. You know that kind of like it sounds generic and it probably sounds like really menial, but that's the stuff that matters in the long run. I mean, there are huge bands, huge bands that have been famous off of four chords. And that's their, that's every song. And it's like, you can do it. You want to play death metal? Learn the four chords first. You guys have surely heard of that four chord song that's on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can become one of the most famous people. Like you were saying, most famous musicians ever. All you need is the four chords. Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, during like, like before grunge, that, that's what it was. It was just catchy chords, catchy riffs, yeah. you know, a little bit of soloing in there, but it was just catchy stuff right off the bat. Yeah. But I would say definitely, like, if you're trying to do it, like, learn that stuff first. Don't be afraid to try something different, but also, like, put your spin on it. It's also, like you said, it's just like a, it's a tough road. Yeah, it's uh, definitely tough. It's not sunshine and daisies, really. Like, it's not, not, not everyone's going to care about what you're doing just because you're doing it, you know? So just kind of be prepared that it's kind of an uphill battle. Yeah, you definitely need a thick skin. Yeah, that's the thing. Like a lot of people are like, we've had people that were like upset that there wasn't a crowd for them or that the other people didn't care. Oh. And it's like nobody <laughs> owes you anything. I, I love that. You know what I mean? Like no, <laughs> but nobody owes you anything. I mean, you gotta prove yourself and you gotta consistently prove yourself. Why why does your music matter? Because everybody's fighting for the same thing. And not necessarily like in a competition way, but like the fans, like some people might not like this or that or the other. You gotta you gotta stick out, you gotta find your niche. At what point or what would need to happen for you guys to, you know, look around and say, holy crap, we've made it. We're set. This, this has really paid off. That would be when, like, honestly, I'm not even trying to shoot 
for the big prize, if if I could just live off of just doing music, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I am fine playing hundred person venues. If I'm the one selling it out, I don't need the arena to be happy. I don't need the theater to be happy. It'd be nice, but I would be fine just being like, I don't have to work a day job. Yeah. I think that's about where I'd be as well. Um, I just do music all the time. Then I could just, you know, yeah, focus I, on making other content. That's the like, thing. Like if, if we had the opportunity where we were making enough money to, you know, like pay your rent, pay for all, everything you need, I would just be happy with that. We could make, so I would have so much more free time to focus on content, focus on more stuff. Mm. Yeah. I really like the answer now. Cause I feel like, you know, with music, it's one of them things that it feeds your soul. When you have a love for music, it really feeds your soul. And when you have to work a day job to support that, you know, it just, yeah. you don't end up being a very happy person, you know? Yeah. And there's been times I'm going to just, I'm going to feed off of that for a minute. There, there's been times where we go on tour and, I'm being told every night I'm amazing. I'm the best. They love us. You know, you're kind of getting that ego fuel where you're like, oh my God, like this matters. And then you go to work and you're just a regular effing dude, just another <laughs> regular piece of garbage in the, in the work pile. Joe Schmo. Yeah. And that's how it feels. Like people are like, oh, I don't care that you were on tour. Get back to work. And you're like, oh, reality check. You know what I mean? But it keeps you humble in a good and a bad way. But yeah, definitely uh, just kind of want to just focus on music. If I could just content create, all day, every day, be really happy. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you stole the question again. The next one was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man, like, get out of my head. <laughs> but uh, the next one was going to be, how do you handle that, you know, being on stage after a sellout gig, going home the next morning, getting up, and you're back to your normal life? It, kind, it must kind of mess with your head a little bit. Uh, it, it definitely does. It hits... I know it hits Tom a lot, our bass player. Yeah. It hits me a lot too. Cause I, I I'm still on this like adrenaline high of like, I'm replaying that night I'm going over. And then, you know, it's like that the person over there doesn't care, you know, but I mean, kind of just got to focus on the good at that point and let it fuel you to, for that to be your life every day. You know? And I feel like I, I kind of like, it, I, I get upset, you know, I'm, I'm a human. I, I get emotional, but it's like, at the end of the day, I'm like, Hey, that's what I want to do. I just got to keep going got to keep going through i don't know for me it's kind of different because i kind of like my job <laughs> I, I i enjoy computers and a big part of it is just uh customer service honestly and uh most of the time people are nice because you're there to solve their problems for them and the only thing about my job i don't like is that the thing is a lot of time it's chill a lot of times i'm able to like work from home or you know it's very flexible or there's not a lot to do but the flip side of that i'm on call a lot so i have to be available at the flip of a dime or it's like oh this thing is broken you need to go drive 200 miles to go fix this so that's like the the flip side of that like days like that where i have to drive a bunch to do like to like flip a switch you know those days suck uh but other days i i, I like my job and i like getting paid so we can put that money into the band <laughs> yeah yeah exactly what are you going to do though you know when you're on world tours and you're you know number one on the billboard charts are you still going to work in it honestly this is my dream oh my god my dream is to become rich and then work as a barista somewhere part-time <laughs> right 
Right. Like I don't know. I, I I like I like talking with like I, I did. I made I was like a barista slash ice cream guy at a Hagen Dazs uh, when I was younger. <laughs> and he loved it. Apparently, <laughs> I loved it. It was great. I I'd love to just make coffee for people and talk to people. And you know, see, so you have, know, what we need to do. We just need to make our own coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. So that you do that, and then we just go on tour. Yeah, I, I like to be rich and have no one know that I'm rich, and just kind of like interact with people and uh-huh. be a regular person. You know. Yeah, kind of like that undercover boss sort of thing. Kind of, kind of <laughs> like that. Um, and then just in my free coffee's free. Yeah, and then in my free time, I just you know make music, you know make videos about stuff, video essays that I'm interested in. I need to do yeah. more of that. <laughs> uh, it's not a bad plan, really. It's gotta get rich first. <laughs> That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. And again, not to get negative or anything, but. The pandemic has affected music worldwide. How did you guys get through it? A um, lot of, lot of stress and a lot of writing. That's where we. Uh, so in 2020, we just released "Heartbreaker," which is a new single at the time. We just got off of a tour, and we released this new song, going in a slightly heavier direction than where we were previous. And we were set up to do a couple tours. We were set up to do a bunch of shows, new music, new gimmick, new whatever. And then the whole world shut down. And we were like, oh, like all of this is wasted. There's now no promotion. A lot of radio stations in the States were not taking new bands. So we kind of like, we kind of gave up for a little bit. We didn't know what to do. We were unsure, unclear, didn't know where the path was. And then we got together realized that being together and making music kind of is the healing process. And we started just writing our asses off and we wrote for all of 2020, the rest of 2020 and the early part of 2021. And that became our album uh, in November later that year, transcendence. So just honestly, like him and I, we were meeting like two or three times a week, just writing riffs, writing drums, recording, pitching ideas to the other members. And it was that probably for the whole time. Yeah, I suppose at the other side, the flip side of it really is, you know, it's actually as much as it decimated the music industry, it kind of gave bands a lot of time to really hone their craft and work us at their music, you know? Yeah, I, I, it helped us in, in, a, in, a, in a writing way because, you know, you're sitting there, like I said, we were meeting, it's just it's him and I, our instruments and a computer, and we're just recording riff ideas going over this, going over that, kind of figuring stuff out. Um, it, it really kind of just hurt on the financial side because you're not playing shows and people, uh, they weren't working and people were having issues. So nobody is, everyone's consuming the content. They're watching music videos. They're watching, they're streaming your albums, but nobody's buying merchandise. Nobody is coming to see you. So you're not making that income. But yeah, I, I agree. It definitely kind of pushed us in a direction where we're like, we got to figure this out, you know, in a, in a better way. But, you know, you take the good and take the bad, kind of have to overcome what you're given, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. Before we move on to the, the last couple of questions, is there anything set in stone? What can you tell us about the rest of the year for you guys? Nothing really set in stone. Um, we are upgrading our tour vehicle at the moment um, so we can go out longer. So I don't know if that's going to happen this year or next year we're going to get something bigger. But we are in talks with a couple companies uh, to get on bigger tours, uh, like bigger national bands that we're going to kind of hop on with. Um, but yeah, we just have a, like two local shows. And then I think because uh, during November, it's uh, peak season at my job. 
So we usually kind of go on a, like a two month full break for November and December, but we got new music coming out. That's probably set in stone. I would say, uh, we got another single coming out soon, probably around Halloween. Um, may or may not have a video depending on how black widow does. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it for now. Just kind of, kind of chilling for the year, kind of gearing up for next year already. Brilliant. Brilliant. We'll, uh, we'll get to the last couple of questions. So I always ask these, so you can't get off the podcast till you answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> First one, an easy one to ease our way into it. What do you guys do when you're not playing music? What do you do to relax? I play RuneScape. <laughs> okay. I play RuneScape. Uh, I, I jog, I bike. Um, and then sometimes I make videos about random things. Uh, last thing I made uh, was a, a video essay about Halo 3 ODST. <laughs> right, right. You know, like 12 views on youtube <laughs> um yeah i mean i uh i don't know i, I like a lot of business stuff so kind of like a lot of entrepreneur like opportunities i'm always trying to invest in myself either with or without the band to try to just make money um it's not even about making the money sometimes like the grind is just really fun uh but yeah video games are really cool you know it's a good like de-stressor like just you know objectives and having fun with that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, cooking, Tom and I like cooking, the the bass player and I, we like cooking a lot. So uh, we have a little cooking show on our Patreon, if you subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. So Ooh. it's called uh, Skillet to the Heart. Oh, yeah, that's also I do. I do photo, yeah. and, photo and videography. Uh, another passions of mine. More passions of mine. Additional passions of mine. There we go. I can English. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. I... I'm shocked though. Skillet to the heart. That I'm. Uh, <laughs> that just sounds perfect. I because uh, I'm often sitting at home, and I'm like, I'm sick of what I've had for dinner for the last week. I need to think up new things. I think I'll have to try see some of them videos to get some ideas. Yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. We do like uh, we did like pub burgers the one time. There's like a uh, like Louisiana like chicken strips like with like a like a buffalo sauce. Um, he made like a stir fry. We yeah. had a katsudan. If you ever heard of katsudan, no, actually. So I made I made katsudan from scratch. I was like super proud of myself. It's a Japanese dish, and it's a, it's a fried pork cutlet, and you you fry an egg around it, and then you serve it on, on rice. Oh. But like we do a lot of like like some generic stuff, some creative stuff, just to kind of have fun. And I, I like trying new things food wise. So that's definitely like a little hobby. I started cooking way more uh, this year and last year, so I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Nice, nice. I'm sure lots of the listeners will be uh, dying to check that out as well. We'll uh, we'll get into the music questions now. So if there was any band or performer from history you could see in concert for one night only, who would it be? Oh, man. I know Audrey's answer. She would say the Beatles. Really? Yeah, she's a huge Beatles fan. Uh, I'd say Nirvana. I was only in Nirvana when I was growing up. and That would be kind of cool. I, I just seen a lot of those live videos where those shows are just crazy. He's like wearing a dress. He's like smashing guitars, smoking cigarettes. And looks like a looks like a fun time. Yeah. Just has a guy just up there dancing for no reason. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so I have kind of a weird answer because um, I know they're still around, but they're old. I would like have to see them in their prime. I would love to see a 1980s Motley Crue show. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I could agree yeah. with that, all right, because they're definitely not yeah. what they were back then. <laughs> no, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not paying $300 to go see them at Marina. 
Is that what it is? Singers are very talented. Yeah, I'm just so proud <laughs> of it, I, I would love to see them like at like the whiskey, you know, yeah. like in the 80s, like something prime, crazy sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like yeah. that's I would love to witness that at least once. Yeah, exactly. Like Metallica back in the day. That would be that'd be cool. Yeah. 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 Interesting fact about you saying Nirvana. First of all, that doesn't actually come up as an answer half as much as you think it would. Because I love Nirvana myself and I'm always like, really? It's only came up like three times. But they were actually supposed to play Ireland for the first time ever on the night that he was found dead. Oh, man. Like even now there's people in Ireland with the tickets that were going to see that gig. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Nirvana, that is crazy, dude. Nirvana was the first vinyl I ever purchased. I was in Memphis, Tennessee on a, like a, a school trip and uh, I overpaid for a vinyl. I think I paid like 40 bucks for it. <laughs> in, in utero, but it was my favorite Nirvana album, the last one they'd made. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. All right. You know, it'd be a cool one. I don't know if everyone, anyone's brought it up. It'd be cool to see Dio. Yeah, I've heard that a couple of times. All right. Yeah, he pops up more than Nirvana, surprisingly. But yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a dope one. Yeah, yeah. And the next one. If you could spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any artist or performer from history, who would it be? Mm. Yeah, you got to, like, I, I want to, like, learn from them. I want to have a full-blown, like, conversation. I, I'd say probably the Rev. Right, makes sense. From Avenged. Yeah, I would love to know the way he just thinks, you know? And we could just share a bottle of alcohol together. So I know he was in the <laughs> just go yeah, back and night. forth, like pick his brain, just kind of like learn from it because like his mind is so creative. Mm. Yeah. So that'd be like really interesting. What's Probably Devin Townsend. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> I saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's he's a wild guy. Uh extremely talented, uh, very creative. Uh and he's done everything from you know. Super brutal to super chill. I think he'd be a good conversationalist. Oh, yeah, definitely. He would love to just talk for 24 hours. Yeah. If you, had, if you were locked in a room with him. <laughs> yeah, he would be actually good because I feel like, you know, if you went in with the mindset of I'm going to learn everything from him, 24 hours definitely wouldn't be enough. Like three oh, months yeah, yeah. wouldn't be enough. Yeah. <laughs> Living <laughs> with him wouldn't be enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot of his workshops. Like one of my one of my favorite posts on his videos is like, "Chill out, man. Smell the roses, and if they smell like music, get to the studio." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! That's brilliant. And the final question: So, if there was a song that could appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? That's a hard one. Yeah, I go th- I go through a lot of emotions every day, so it's a. <laughs> I don't know if it should be angry or. You know I mean? <laughs> it doesn't sound depressing, but I, I could I could definitely point to some songs as far as like my childhood goes. But I don't know about songs for now. Um, I do the childhood one then. Somewhere I Belong by Lincoln Park. I listened to that song a lot when I was a kid. That is a sad one. A very sad song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a yeah. sad one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know about now though. Uh, I don't know if that, that that certainly wouldn't be like my entire life. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a tough one. Okay. It's a good choice, though. Good song. Better Cigarro by System of a Down. 
Not bad, not bad. <laughs> I'm just going to give like a, a, a big nothing burger answer. <laughs> I can think of right now. Uh, no yeah, problem. That, better, better the Cindy of obscenity. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I, I like to slow it down quite a lot. I would have never guessed, no. <laughs> yeah. Actually, at that concert where we did the same concert together, I, um, I used to live right next to the Allstate Arena where the show was. So I snuck by where the tour buses were in the VIP area, and I got to meet the uh, drummer John. Are you serious? Oh yeah. man! I also I also got a picture with Stephen Carpenter from the Deftones, but I didn't know who the Deftones were. <laughs> right. I'm just walking by. He's like, "Hey, man!" I was like, "Oh, hi!" He's like, "Do you want like a picture?" I was like, "Sure." <laughs> I was like, "Hey, weren't you the guy playing up there, the guitar?" Yeah, you're pretty good, man. <laughs> That would have been even funnier if it turned out like he wasn't that guy and he was just some random Nebraskan if you wanted a photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just looks like Stephen Carpenter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you find a song yet? Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. That's that's hard. <laughs> trying to I'm trying like I can't think of any titles all of a sudden. <laughs> it happens. It happens. It's a tough question, especially to just spring on you. My band by D12. No, there's one. Uh, so I, I'd probably say uh, if I had to just like spring one, probably like The Victim by Memphis Mayfire. Right, right. Why yeah. that one? Um, so it's a song about kind of like dealing with a lot of people that are purposely trying to like, uh, like f you over, hmm. and you're constantly in this like. Not only is it like a personal battle with yourself to kind of figure out who's on your side both in a good and a bad way, but also like overcoming that like mentality. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had a lot of people try to try to just like take from me and steal uh, either like ideas or like physically like something. And it's like, you kind of have to like, it's life is like a big fight. You know what I mean? And it's way better when you have friends on your side and sometimes it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Very true. Actually. Very true. Sounds like a perfect song. So Right, guys. Well, it was an absolute blast. I really enjoyed chatting with you for the last hour now, and uh, I can't wait to see what you do in the future. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. This was great. We really appreciate it. You've been a pleasure to talk to as well.
Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is DJ JC, and I'm one of the DJs over at Super Cool Radio. I host a one-hour metal show called The Brutal Block. We have new episodes every Tuesday, dropping at noon. So if heavy metal music is something that you're into, then make your way over to The Brutal Block. Throw up the horns, and let's get rockin'. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up to Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.